Man, what a great day to be together. 7.30 service. We are, of course, in four services on a weekend now. I want to say welcome to all of you. If this is your very first time, we're so thankful for you. First time joining us online and our guests all around the world, literally. We're so grateful to be one church in a lot of different places. So welcome to all of you, and thanks for being a part of LifePoint today. If you are new with us, if you would simply text the letters LPC to the number 31996, or if you're in the room, you can fill out a connection card from the seat back in front of you, and we'd love to follow up with you with some simple next steps. Happy Mother's Day. Come on, everybody. Whether you are a mom or you have a mom, you didn't get here without one. We're so thankful for mothers, and um, I'm very excited today. I'm going to preach a sermon on how to be a good mom from the man's perspective. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that at all. I don't actually follow the Hallmark calendar for sermon writing anyway, but uh, <laughs> I just thought, I was wondering if that joke would land or not, so thank you very much. I'll do it all day. Um, man, I love, uh, I, I love celebrating Stephanie and mamas all over the place. Of course, we've got so many layers to that, right? And so we just want to say to all the ladies, period, uh, we are so grateful for you, and God has gifted you with that ability and uh, to be moms and to, to be fruitful in this earth. And so we have a gift for all the ladies of the house. It doesn't matter if you're a mom now or you're going to be a mom one day. We just got something for you in the lobby. So we're not checking IDs or pictures of babies or anything in the lobby. Just grab it. We're glad you're here. Hey, I want to thank you for your generosity as well. You can tithe or give online in the mail or we have boxes in our lobby if you're at our Rossview location. Uh, we just believe that God's word directs us and has authority for how we believe and how we live our lives. In fact, we say as our first statement of faith. We believe that the Bible is true and authoritative, and it directs us on how we live and how we believe. So not only what we think about God and what we believe about him, but how we live that out. And the Bible directs us in so many areas of our lives, in faith, family, prayer, how to, do, how to work hard, how to forgive, what we should do with social ethics and the culture of the, the day. But the Bible even directs us on how to be generous. And I really see, rather than like pulling a verse out here or there, I see the nature of God is generous. Like everything he does towards us is generous. And I just, I'm just going to tell you, if you want to be more, if you want to reflect God in your life, be a generous person. Everything that he's done towards us is motivated out of generosity. It's, here's, here's what generous, generosity looks like. You didn't have to do it and you got to do it. You didn't have to do it, but you got to do it. You, you got the opportunity to do it. And that's, that was creation. That was the law. That was grace. That was Jesus. That was Christ on the cross. God didn't have to do it. He got to do it. It was a pleasure for him to act generously towards us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, each of us must give as we have decided in our hearts to give. So I just want to ask you, have you decided to give as a generous person? Have you decided? And how you're giving now is a reflection of your decision. You've already decided somehow. So I want to encourage you to decide to give in a way that reflects the Lord, which is generous. Give generously. Amen, everybody? Whether it's bringing tithes and giving offerings to the Lord through your local church or giving great tips. Shock a server this week with a tip as big as the bill. I promise you, it'll bless you. It'll blow them away. Uh, be a blessing to someone who's doing service in your home. Bring a gift to your, your, your colleague or a boss. Bring them a coffee, their favorite drink. Just show up. You don't have to. You get to. And just decide in your heart that you're going to be the type of person who's just generous all the time. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Thank you for your giving, Life Point. You're making a difference, but God's doing something special in us too. Amen? All right, hey, turn to the book of Acts. Chapter 2, we're ready. This is the big one. This is one I've been anticipating and excited about and the one that uh, some of you have been nervous about and you didn't know how we're going to do it. So uh, it's going to be a great day. What a Mother's Day sermon. The day of Pentecost. And they spake 
in other tongues. We're going to get into it today. I've titled the message, This Changes Everything. Come on, this changes everything. This is the day. Promised in Genesis 3, promised through the prophets, promised throughout all the Old Testament, promised by Jesus multiple times, multiple times, multiple times. This is the day, Acts chapter 2, when the promise would be fulfilled. Man, we are continuing our book of Acts series. Jump right into Acts 2. I don't have a lot of fluff for you today. We're going to get right into the text, and I'm going to preach my guts out up here, and you're going to amen your guts out over there. All right, good. I'm going to get you all fired up for your Mother's Day brunch. All right, here we go. Since you brought your Bibles, turn with me to Acts 2. I want to encourage you to always bring a Bible to church. If you remember in Acts 1 and prior in the Gospels, Jesus has now been crucified, resurrected, and he appeared to his disciples for 40 days. Do you remember that? 40 days he appeared to his disciples. And then at the end of that time, he tells the disciples in Acts chapter 1, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He didn't give him an end time. He didn't say how long to wait. He didn't even say what it was going to look like when it happened. He just said, go to Jerusalem and wait. And then we saw last Sunday, they did what he said. They went to Jerusalem. They rented an upstairs loft apartment, and 120 people just waited. They didn't know when it was coming, what was going to happen, how it was going to happen. They simply obeyed God. By the way, that's always a great practice. Just obey God. Do what he says, right? So they're in Jerusalem, they're waiting. They don't know how long they're waiting for. Is this going to be another 40 days? Is it going to be 100 days? Is it going to be 17 years? They went to Jerusalem and they're waiting. And then, boom, it's going to happen. Acts chapter 2. Remember, though, God had promised them, Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say go wait for tongues, go wait for fire, go wait for wind. He said, wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit which specifically would be the coming of God, the Spirit, to live in us and to dwell with us permanently. Remember, God had promised this this move of the Holy Spirit, this activity of God from Genesis 3 in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. We talked about that on Easter Sunday. In fact, he had promised that his Holy Spirit, listen, would live on the inside of his people. Now, Jesus was the incarnation of God, right? God came to dwell with us, but only as Jesus, only in human flesh. But now the promise is God the Holy Spirit would come and not just be in one body, but he would be in our bodies. He would be in all of us and live in us and dwell with all of us forever. This is a great promise. So Acts 2 is the time when it finally happens. Jesus, go back and read later this week, John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, his activity. He is God. He would convict us. He would lead us in all truth. He'd bring us peace. Come on, somebody, we need that today. Acts 2 is the moment it happens. After thousands of years of waiting on this promise, God's promise is fulfilled. God, the Father, promised. Jesus, God, the Son, promised. Now God, the Holy Spirit, is coming, and he would be here to stay. And I'm telling you, this changes everything. For some of us as Christians, listen, our whole view of Christianity is we have, a, we have a mental belief about Jesus. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus. But I'm telling you, the promise of God is an experience with God, the Holy Spirit, that he dwells in you, that he leads you, he governs you, he directs you, he guides you. There is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. I was in a funeral a couple of weeks ago and uh, whoever starts a story like that, by the way, that's so weird. Uh, <laughs> recently I was with some pastor friends. There you go. 
And this pastor friend of mine was talking about, like, he knew that I come from a more Pentecostal tradition. And he said, man, we don't, we don't say much about the Holy Spirit in our church. We just don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. I was just like, man, your people are missing out on the full expression of God. We're going to get there. Let's go. Okay. So here we go. Let's walk through this slowly. We're going to see this changes everything. God's on the move. How many of you think if God's moving, you want to be where he's at, right? All right, so let's walk through Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Read with me. I'll do it aloud. You read in your brain. Okay. When the day of Pentecost arrived, circle that, underline it. This is why anything to do with the Holy Spirit is often called Pentecostal, Pentecostalism. It's because it started at the day of Pentecost, and I'm going to explain that to you in just a second. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, we saw that in Acts chapter 1. They were united. They were uh, together in one purpose, in one accord. And now they're physically in one location, in one place, in an upper room in Jerusalem. And suddenly... There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So first thing you got to understand, listen, the timing of God's spirit coming to the earth. Now, let me just give you a snapshot of the whole Old Testament and how God worked with his Holy Spirit. The spirit of God was present at creation. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And the spirit of God hovered over the whole thing. So the Holy Spirit's always been present. With the, it's, it's the nature of God. He's Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, always. And you'll see like in the story about Samson, the spirit of God rushed upon Samson, but then left Samson. And then rushed upon Samson again and then left him. You think Samson was strong because he wouldn't cut his hair. He had a mullet. Nope. Samson was strong because the spirit of God rushed on him. When Nathan prophesied to David, the Spirit of God rushed on him. All throughout the Old Covenant, all throughout the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would rush upon people, but then he would leave them. He'd hover over creation, he'd hover over the earth, but he would rush on people and come off. But now, this changes everything. The timing of God's Spirit coming to the earth and staying. If you read through the Gospels, we see Jesus has been doing ministry and, and we say that he did ministry for three years because we follow the calendar cycle of festivals that Jesus highlighted. In particular, the festival of Passover. Passover is the annual festival of the Jewish people celebrating the Passover from the book of Exodus related to the final plague that God visited on Egypt before Moses led the Israelites out of slavery and captivity to Pharaoh. How many of you know Egypt was Israel's greatest enemy, right? Enslaved for hundreds of years, but the Passover celebration, so we see that is the remembering of of the final plague, people are let go from slavery to Egypt. Well, we see in the Gospels three times in Passover. In fact, the night Jesus was betrayed, that was a Passover meal. That was Passover season. Well, there are other feasts and festivals in the Old Testament. New Testament folks, we barely keep any of these fe feasts or festivals. In fact, most of us don't. We keep other festivals, other holidays, other traditions. We've, we've transformed Easter into the, the, the holiday that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and Christmas and et cetera. But there are actually seven different feasts, depending on the list you follow. Three, it says some people, and then seven total. But the Feast of Passover, First Fruits, Unleavened Bread, Festival of Tabernacles, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Trumpets. These are the other six. They all represent and reflect different events and moments for God's people. But the coming of the Holy Spirit happened, look again at verse 1, on the day of Pentecost. What in the world is that? Well, the day of Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost is an annual celebration. 
It's an annual celebration that the Jewish people knew very well. In fact, this was one of the three big feasts that every Jewish person that could traveled up to Jerusalem. It was like a pilgrimage every year to come up to Jerusalem and celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And Pentecost, the word itself, it, it means 50. Penta means 50. And it's 50 days following the last celebration, which was Passover. Listen, 50 days is the word Pentecost. And, and this feast, are you ready? You want to know what the purpose of this whole feast was? Harvest. Harvest time. So every year when they harvest the grain and they harvest their first fruit, like their, their, their uh, goods from the ground, they celebrate it to the Lord with a big festival they called Pentecost. Now in the Old Covenant, Pentecost in their mind simply meant day of harvest, time of harvest. And it is so incredibly brilliant, listen to me, that God chose to pour out his spirit on the earth when the people were celebrating harvest. Why? Because the whole reason God did all of this is to harvest lost people into the family of God, to see people far from God draw near to him. Let me tell you, the most Pentecostal thing we can do has nothing to do with gifts. It's all about reaching people far from God. So God strategically and significantly poured out his spirit and, and literally, he didn't just pour it out. He came as the Holy Spirit in order to harvest the world, to make a way now for every person on planet earth to be harvested into the kingdom of God. You got to understand the significance of this. The promise of God throughout the whole Bible is that Jesus would pay for our sin and that God, the Holy Spirit would live in us and change us forever. Hear me, the only way to be saved is not your good behaviors or your church attendance. The only way to be saved is not through any other all paths lead to God attitude. The only way for you and I to be saved, which is harvest language, salvation is harvest language. The only way for us to be saved is through the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And it is solidified, listen to me, you might believe that he died and raised from the dead, but it is solidified. Romans said his spirit bears witness with our spirit. It is solidified when the Holy Spirit of God himself comes to dwell in us. That's what happened when God came on Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. It's another incarnation. Listen, the first incarnation was God himself taking up residence in a baby. Now this incarnation is the Holy Spirit taking up residence in us, in every one of us. God doesn't just come in a baby anymore. He comes in you and you and you and you and you. That is the significance of the Spirit of God coming at Pentecost. It's about God coming on the inside of us, taking up residence on us, and it's all motivated by his desire to harvest the world. Are y'all hearing the excitement in my voice today? Happy Mother's Day. God loves you. Pentecost is all about the harvest. Jesus came for harvest. We think Pentecost and Pentecostal is all about gifts. No, the gifts of Pentecost, the gifts associated with the Holy Spirit should point people to their harvest. The purpose of Pentecost, the purpose of being Pentecostal. And when I say I want us to be a Pentecostal church, it's not because of giftedness. It's about salvation coming because people come to this church. Pentecost is all about harvest. So Jesus is about harvest. He sent the Holy Spirit for the harvest. The fact that all this happened on Pentecost was no accident. God is smart. 
God knew the calendar. God was not like, snap, I got to do this before it gets too long. And I leave them in Jerusalem too many days. And Gabriel's like, well, Lord, it's Pentecost. You can't do it today. Well, let's just try it. You know, he's very strategic. He knew what he was doing. He's brilliant. This was the actual purpose of the whole event. So that people would have a way to be saved and harvested. This changes everything. Listen, when Jesus Christ himself walks the earth, everybody that knew he was around was drawn to him. Whether a fan or a critic, people were drawn to Jesus. But Jesus left. He said, I'm going to the right hand of the Father. But here's the deal. When you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes on the inside of you. And look at me. When you walk this earth now, when you go to work, when you walk your neighborhood, when you're leading a small group of people that don't come to church, when you're doing life as a person with the Spirit of God, people should be drawn to the God who's on the inside of you. The whole reason God poured out his spirit into us is so that we would be about the harvest. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? Oh, man. Second crowd will get fired up. Second crowd. <laughs> Online crowd is amen, amen in the mess out of me right here. So then here's what happens. And this is where a lot of us get stuck and we don't know what to do with these verses. And we go, oh, man, that's so, I don't know what to say about that. Well, we're going to say some things about it. Verse 3 and 4. So they're all together. A sound like a mighty rushing wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided or cloven, if you got the KJV, come on now. Divided or split tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. So tongues of fire, which tongues is a word for flame, right? It's flames of fire came and appeared, not only appeared, but rested on each one of them. Interesting, by the way, you got to know your whole Bible to get the significance of this. You remember when Elijah was crying out to God on a mountain and he's desperate and he's wanting to kill himself? And the Bible says that God blew a wind through the valley but wasn't in the wind. That he blew earthquake and fire but he wasn't in all those things. But he spoke through a whisper. Watch this. It's appearance like a fire, like a wind, but it would become the spirit coming on the inside of us. It's interesting too. You remember when Moses at the burning bush... The bush was consumed with fire but didn't burn. These people got flames on their heads, but they're not catching on fire. Something about God working with fire is amazing. He's the best pyromaniac we know. But here it is. So they're all together. Wind, sound like a mighty rushing wind filled the place. Divided tongues as of fire appeared, rested on each. And here it is. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a fantastic moment. Can you just imagine for a moment being in the room when this happened? It's not only powerful, it's not only unlike anything they'd ever experienced, but listen, it's the fulfillment of a very old promise and they got to be the ones in the room when God came good on his promise. What an amazing day that was. How cool would it be to be one of those 120 people they got to be there when the Spirit finally came, the promise of God throughout all of the Scripture, and they were the ones in the room that got to experience it first. So amazing. But I want to go back to the, this for just a moment. Before we get into what does it mean to, for tongues and fire and all the wind and all that stuff, I just want to make sure that we understand something significant happened here. God kept his word. 
I, I can't move on without just stressing the point, God kept his word. God is a promise maker and God is a promise keeper. Can I just encourage all of you today, whatever you have felt God has promised in your life, whatever dreams God has birthed in you because you've dwelled with him, whatever things the Lord has said for you from his word, it may not be in your timing, but there is a time when God will come through on his promise. God's put it in you to have kids, moms. Come on now, moms-to-be. God's going to come through on his promise for you. Or maybe God's come through, he's made promises about your future, about married life, or about peace in your home. God will come through for you. I love that the disciples were in a place. They were positioned and ready for the promise of God to come. But God will come through for you. I just, I can't get past that point without stressing God's a promise maker and so God's a promise keeper. Now, let's talk about the particulars here. Remember, God's on the move. He's doing something he's never done before. One of my favorite quotes, I don't even know where it came from. I'm going to pretend I made it up because I think I did, but I don't know for sure. (laughs) The God who never changes is always doing something new. This has never happened before. Go read your whole Bible, the left side, never happened before. Things like it have happened, a bush on fire and wind in the, in the valleys. But this event has never happened before. The wind is blowing, everyone's together, divided flames or tongues of fire appear to them, rest on each one of them like the burning bush, fire of God's presence but no consuming. And then this says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I need you to go back for just a moment, one chapter to Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Remember, Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And then he said, for, which is uh, him going for, here's what I'm talking about. John the Baptist baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is submersion into the Holy Spirit. This is salvation language. This is transfer of relationship language. This has never happened before, and here it is. They were all filled. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Are you all seeing that? I just want you to understand God's on the move. This is a major change in how we relate to God forever. They would be and we would be filled, baptized, equipped, empowered with the spirit of the living God. He is in them. Listen to me. He is in us. Some of you may be nervous about that and you're wondering what's, no, no, no. This is amazing. I asked you last week and I've had a couple people reflect on this last week. I said, if Jesus Christ himself came to Clarksville, said, I'm taking 20 minutes appointment every day, 20 minute appointments every day. How many of you would clear your schedule to go meet with Jesus? And I said, that's what life is like in the word of God. Every time you get in the word, it's an appointment with the Lord. But let me tell you something even more exciting than that. The same spirit, Galatians says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the spirit that lives on the inside of you every day, all the time, quickening your mortal bodies, encouraging you, convicting you of sin, bringing peace and comfort and leading us into all truth. This filled with the Holy Spirit is the life of the Christian. We say at LifePoint, we have four like cardinal things that we believe. Number one, the Bible's true. Two, you, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Three, you must be born again, which is a work of the Holy Spirit. And four, you can live a spirit-led life because the Bible says you can. When we say yes to Jesus, listen, it's not just a mental belief. 
It's life change forever because God himself comes on the inside of us. He fills us. He baptizes us. He changes us forever. Isn't that great news, everybody? Come on now. This is for us. And listen, all throughout the Old Testament, the spirit came and left. The spirit came and left. The spirit came and left. Here's what happened. The promise was the spirit would come and stay. And here it is, Acts 2. The spirit has come and he has come to stay. So God changes us, but he does it for others. Not only for us. Man, listen, you ever go to a great restaurant and you're like, this is the best food I've ever eaten in my life. Every single morsel is delicious. I went to a restaurant with Stephanie and Franklin for our anniversary uh, two years ago. It was down in Franklin. It's called Cork and Cow. Fun name. And I told her, I said, I've never been to a restaurant where every single bite of every single item was amazing. Until I went to Cork and Cow. It just sounds fun to say. Cork and Cow. And I'm telling you, that week, I mean, I was texting people the next day going, hey, if you're ever in Franklin, you need to go to Cork and Cow. I'm not on sale. I'm on commission there. I don't get anything out of this. It was so good. I told friends, go to Cork and Cow. If you live in Franklin, you should go there tonight. It's delicious. But it's like when we experience something great, we can't wait to let others know how great it was. Your favorite, your latest Marvel movie, your latest whatever. I was going to make jokes, but I'm going to stay centered here. Here's the thing, when God changes you, here, here's the other, when, when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you, how in the world would you want to keep that to yourself? Watch what happens. The significance of this is so amazing. The room is different. The people are now different. They are, they thought they were missing Jesus in person, but all of a sudden they got the Spirit on the inside of them. They are filled with God's presence, which is amazing, phenomenal. And it says, and they began to speak in other tongues... As the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, capital S, gave them utterance or ability. Now, this is where a lot of people just get really stuck. And we're going to talk about this. Because this is, so, any of you that come from a Pentecostal background, you're getting really excited right now. Any of you that have come from Baptist or traditional mainline, you're getting really nervous right now. So I'd like all of you guys to stand up. Just kidding. And then I want the Pentecostals to go for it. Just lay hands on everybody and get them. <laughs> fix them. Shun Now here's what happened. You got to remember the big picture. They were all filled with the Spirit. This is a promise. And God in his sovereignty. God chose this. He, like a bunch of Pentecostal pastors didn't show up one day and go, what should we do then? God in his sovereignty gifted, it's a court as the Spirit gave ability and utterance, God gifted these 120 disciples a phenomenal, amazing ability to speak in other tongues and languages. And listen, this is a totally new phenomenon. Nowhere in the Bible have we seen this activity before now. By the way, that's part of what Jesus does. It's all new stuff. Like he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Nobody preached that before. He, he starts promising the third person of the Trinity, the Godhead, is going to live on the inside of you. God never promised, like, nobody was preaching that before. They were just preaching, turn from your sin or God's going to get you, you know. Like, it was totally different. And now we have this phenomenon of speaking in other languages and tongues. And nowhere in the Bible do we see this before. And just to be clear, nowhere in the scripture have we seen God dying for sin or the Holy Spirit taking up residence on us. So the God who never changes is doing something phenomenally new. And that's what I believe he wants to do in us even still today. But the Holy Spirit 
is now giving them the ability to speak in new tongues. A lot of things are happening with God and, and with us in this passage. God's introduced us now to a phenomenon that is in the New Testament, here to stay. A phenomenon of speaking in other languages, speaking in other tongues. And later, we're going to see what the Apostle Paul even calls a gift of praying in other tongues, other languages. But this particular text is not about that. There was the coming of the Spirit of God. He filled, he baptized the disciples, he immersed them in his presence, and they begin to speak in other tongues more specifically in other languages. Look further on in verse 5 and 6. Watch this. Now, commentary of Luke. There were dwelling in Jerusalem. Remember, this is the Feast of Pentecost. So we've got thousands upon thousands and thousands of Jewish devout Jews from all surrounding nations. But they've come up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, which is the Feast of Harvest. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men and women from every nation under heaven. Isn't that exhaustive, right? Like that's everybody. They were from everywhere. And at this sound, the sound of 120 people praying in tongues and speaking in tongues and other languages, the multitude of these dwelling in Jerusalem, the multitude came together and they were, rightfully so, bewildered. When's the last time you used that word, by the way? I am so bewildered at that. That is bewildering. <laughs> Let's reincorporate that. They came together and they were bewildered because each one of these devout Jews dwelling there for Pentecost, each one of them was hearing them, the 120, speak in his own or the Jewish, the devout Jews' native language. Let me just translate this for you. Tens of thousands, I mean like thousands and thousands and thousands of, of people are there to celebrate Pentecost. And all of a sudden they hear this upper room in the middle of town square Jerusalem, all this noise. And it's, it's basically they begin to congregate around this going, this is bizarre. What in the world is going on here? Why do we hear them speaking in our languages? Why do we hear them speaking in our tongues? This occurrence in Acts 2 was amazing. And remember, it was all about harvest, right? It was all about harvest. And people from many nations were in Jerusalem celebrating Pentecost, the old covenant feast that has now been repurposed with a new covenant way of life. And they heard the wind. They heard the chaos of the upper room. And 120 disciples were in this upper room speaking in all sorts of other languages that they didn't know. And the people that were there to worship God for Pentecost were looking up there going, why do we hear them speaking in our languages? Verse 7 goes on. He says, they were amazed. We already seem bewildered. They were amazed and they were astonished. And they said, are not all of these people up there speaking Galileans? Remember, the, Gal the Sea of Galilee, Tiberias, all the, all the cities around the Sea of Galilee was where Jesus did most of his ministry. But these people have come from all over the known world. Greece, Asia, Rome, Africa, Egypt. They're coming from all kinds of places, not just around Galilee. But they said, aren't all these people Galileans? It's like, it's like being at the UN, but going, isn't everyone who works here from, like, Clarksville? So aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we, the, the, the thousands and thousands of people that are hearing this, how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, Belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them telling, look at this, in our 
own languages or tongues the mighty works of God. So the phenomenon that happened is God supernaturally gave these 120 Galileans the ability to tell the mighty works of God to the nations who had showed up because the act of Pentecost was all about harvest. And guess who needed the harvest first? Jesus said, I'll start in the house of Jerusalem. I'll start with the Jews and then I'll reach the Gentiles, right? So at the time of Pentecost, this harvest feast, all these Jews come up and the first thing they start doing is preaching the mighty works of God, the gospel of Jesus, the story of Christ, the transformation of the gospel in their lives. And they're telling all these people from all these nations in their native tongues, talk about a miracle. How in the world do you get some local Galilean fishermen to start preaching in an Asian language? Or some lady like the woman caught in adultery, all of a sudden she's prophesying in an African language that she's never studied. This is miraculous. So much to say about speaking in tongues. Listen, and what it means for today. More specifically, we have a strong doctrine that we share about praying in tongues, having a prayer language, and it is a spiritual gift. It's part of your spiritual life and your prayer life. But that's a whole other sermon. It is not based out of Acts 2. It's based out of other passages in Acts, more specifically 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. If you'd like to hear me preach on the gift of speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, personal gift of spiritual gifts, I have a whole series from April 2019 on our website, literally called Spiritual Gifts. I encourage you to go watch that there. This passage is not about that. But Acts 2 is the catalyst for now all these gifts to be released to the people of God, gifts of the Spirit, including the gift of tongues in your life. And I believe every one of you should not only desire that but operate in that. But it's not a marker of how spiritual you are, how godly you are, how close to God you are. It's really a marker of how much God's trying to get into your life. That's another sermon, but this occurrence in Acts 2, it's a catalyst for a new phenomenon for Christians to have speaking in tongues as part of their lives. But what happened here? Listen, this is what happened. The disciples supernaturally, miraculously, as the Spirit of God gave them the ability, began speaking in other known languages that were not their own. And what they were saying is more important than what language they were saying it in. They were telling the mighty works of God. Remember, it's Pentecost, it's feast time, and people are coming from everywhere. The 120 disciples were all from one region, but the people that God was trying to reach were from, remember what he said? All, oh, wait a minute, wait, all over, you remember? <laughs> oh, yeah, devout from every nation, basically from everywhere. <laughs> Listen, it's Pentecost. Here's what's beautiful about this. God brought people from everywhere, but he put his spirit in the middle of that epicenter so that they could all be saved. And we're going to see later in Acts 2, thousands and thousands and thousands were saved. 3,000 just men, but they all got wives and servants and kids. Thousands would be saved. Now wait. When the Holy Spirit filled them, came on the inside of them, they were able to speak other languages, speak in other tongues, specifically speaking about the wonders of God to the people so they could hear what God had done. People who only spoke Italian were hearing the gospel in Italian. People who only spoke Asian languages were hearing the good news about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection 
in their Asian languages. Listen, people who were there from Egypt, the very folks who had enslaved Israel for centuries were now hearing about their freedom in Jerusalem. Hearing it in their own Egyptian language. God loves the world so much, he'll even save your oppressors and your captors and your enemies. Can you imagine being there that day? These were not tongues like praying in tongues. These were languages for the sake of preaching. This would catalyze a new reality for Christian experience, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues as part of the New Testament life. But this was the first version use of this gift. And they were languages that people in the crowd understood. This was motivated by God to change people's lives. This wasn't them coming up with a gift. This wasn't the 120 going, okay, we're going to try this new thing out. This was God empowering his people by the spirit as he had radically changed them and filled them with his own spirit, immediately activated so they could see others' lives changed. The disciples didn't just receive the Holy Ghost to have their own lives changed. Hear me when I say this. They received the Holy Spirit so they could bring life change to others. The reason it happened at Pentecost is because it is a picture of what God still wants to do in your, in your, in your workspace, in your family, in your neighborhood, online, wherever you are, Christians, listen to me. The Spirit of God wants to fill you and refill you and baptize you and rebaptize you so that you can be a witness to the people who don't know his language, but you speak their language so that they can know the gospel of Jesus. Many of us have debated a long time about this passage, about speaking in tongues. Is it for today? Supernatural gift. What were they saying? What languages? Is it for the day? Was the gift actually in the hearing or in the speaking? Who cares about any of that? Why in the world do we focus on the, the wrong things? I don't understand Christians debating with Christians about insider stuff. Who cares? Here's what actually took place. The real miracle is that all of a sudden when the spirit of God got on the inside of them, God was able to take an old fisherman with no formal theological education named Peter and turn him into an um, amazing preacher. He took an old tax collector like Matthew and instead of doing all the nickel and diamond and the, the taking from people, he turned him into a foreign language expert simply so he could tell others about Jesus. The miracle is not the speaker speaking in tongues at all. The miracle was that God took a woman like the woman caught in adultery and turned her into a powerhouse prophetess so that she could speak in a language she'd never known and preach the gospel. Speaking of Mother's Day, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in this crowd with every part of her story unexpected pregnancy, almost divorced and put out to shame, watching her son beaten, mocked, hung naked on a cross for sins he never committed, and God filled Mary. And turned her into a preaching machine in this day. He gave her a new language to tell somebody about her own son. He gave her a new boldness and he gave her a new spirit. Listen, she carried the son of God in her belly for nine months. But now because of Pentecost, she's filled with the spirit of God for the rest of her life. And this changes everything for Mary. And it will change everything for others. If you'll really let God have all of you. If you'll really let God fill you and baptize you, listen, it doesn't matter if you're a mom, a dad, a soldier, a fisherman, a banker, a doctor, the mother of Jesus, a lawyer, plumber, or a pastor. The miracle is not whether you speak in other tongues, but the miracle is God can use your mouth to speak the wonders and miracles of God to people who are far from him. Because the most Pentecostal thing we do is not speaking in other tongues, it's witnessing the mighty works of God to people who are far from God and harvesting them to the great family of the kingdom of heaven. 
God will use you. God will use you in your doctor's office, in your platoon sergeant's office. God will use you with those ahead of you and below you and beside you. God will use you in your neighborhood. He'll give you words to say that you don't even know. You'll say something to a coworker and you'll be like, I don't even know where that came from. That's the craziest thing I've ever I'm bewildered. It's because God's spirit is on the inside of you. Christians, this is the Christian experience. God changes us, and he also uses us to change them. If you got saved just for you to go to heaven, boo on you. That's selfishness. But God changes us to change them. To be a witness for him, he'll give you words you never spoke before. He'll give you beliefs you never believed before. He'll give you language. He'll turn a 12-year-old kid into a mighty woman of God for the sake of the gospel. That's what life in the spirit is. That's what being filled with the spirit is. Who cares what your gifts look like? It's all empowered by the spirit anyway. You don't own a gift. You have the spirit. And we get so focused about tongues and so freaked out about tongues or so excited about tongues. How about you get excited about harvest? We get excited about God. God, here am I. Use me. God, here am I, spend me at your pleasure. Here am I, Lord God. I am your currency, God. Have my mouth, have my hands, have my wallet, have my life. Every part of me, God. I'm going to live a life I didn't know. I'm going to say some things I've never said before, and I'm going to do it so that they can experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the question I have to close with is this. What are we going to do with this text? What are we going to do with this? I don't preach just for information. The goal of Christian preaching is life change, transformation. So what are you going to do with this? Well, here's what they did with it. Watch this. Remember, they were all astonished, all amazed, and bewildered. The next verse says, they were all amazed and perplexed. That's like both sides of the spectrum. Some are like, wow. Some are like, what? (laughs) They were all amazed and perplexed, somewhere in the middle. Some said, what does this mean? And others mocked, saying, well, they're drunk. Everybody had a reaction to the move of God. See, we, we have bought into this crazy statement that if God really moves, everyone will change. I mean, the spirit himself was poured out with fire on their heads, wind in the room, languages they didn't know. And some people were like, I don't buy it. And even in the church world, they're up at Jerusalem to worship God. Even in the church world, we come up to church to worship God. We sing powerfully the songs that we sing. But we look at things like this and we go, it doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Because, look, it didn't make sense. They were perplexed. That's a, that's a mental problem. What does this even mean? What's happening? Some mocked. Let me just tell you, it's always risky to mock the move of God. I'd rather say nothing than mock a move of God. But I want to challenge you as we finish up. What will you do with the move of God in your life? What will you do with a text like this? What will you do, not, not even with like what, just with the text, but what will you do with what God's done in you? God saved you. He's filled you. You, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Are you open to God to have your mouth and, and to, to use you as a gift for others? Will you let somebody know about God? Would you let somebody know what God's done in your life? Will you spread hope? Will you share the gospel? Remember the context of this passage. It is Pentecost. It's 100% the strategic plan of God that at a time of celebrating harvest, God pours out his spirit. And we're going to see in the next chapter so that thousands of souls can be harvested into his kingdom. The most Pentecostal thing we will ever do 
is be a people who help other people meet the Lord and be harvested into his kingdom. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, go back, he said, you'll receive my spirit to be my witness. You don't receive his spirit just to get saved and live your own Christian life. We receive his spirit to be his witness. Will you be amazed? Will you act with amazement? Or will you be cynical and critical and go, well, I don't want that part of it. God didn't just save you for you. He saved your eternal life. He changed you forever. And he empowers you to invite others to receive that same life change. This is how God changes everything. You remember when Jesus said, greater things than I have done, you will do. That's right when he said, because I'm going to the Father and my spirit's going to come inside of you. The Christian life is the spirit-filled life. And collectively as the body of Christ, we will see billions come to faith. But it starts with your neighbor and your coworkers and your family members who are far from the Lord. And that kid at school that drives you crazy. He changes you so that we can be a tool to change the world. So I want you to think of three things and we'll close. I'm going to say them and we're going to be done. Number one, I want you to receive everything God has for you, including salvation including forgiveness, including the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I just want you to receive that. I want you to say, God, I didn't even go to my last screens. I'm so sorry. Maybe I did. I want you to receive everything God has for you. Listen, this was the plan of God way before you and I were ever even a thought in our mama's womb. Because that's where we, you know, thought in the womb. Anyway. This was God's promise way back. He's fulfilled it, and it's still for us today. Would you just receive everything God has for you? Second, I want you to start praying for five people that God's put in your heart to tell them about him. I want you to start in prayer. Don't go attacking people with the Holy Ghost unless you've prayed for them first. I just want you to start praying for five people in your circle. Start praying for a coworker, a neighbor, family member, somebody, an enemy. Somebody, you can't wait for them to go to heaven. You're just like, God, take them out. I want you to start praying for five people that you're going to let God use you to tell them about him. And then third, in the next week or two weeks, I want you to ask those people to meet with you for coffee or lunch or something just to tell them the mighty works of God. And listen, trust that God will give you the tongues, the language, the words in their ears that they'll hear it. We serve a good and mighty God. And he didn't save us for us. He saved us so that the world may know Jesus. And the Christian life, the Pentecostal life, is a spirit-filled life so that others may know the Lord. Please don't sit on your Christianity as a gift from God that you don't share with others. So let's do that. Let's receive it all. Let's pray over five names over the next couple weeks. And let's invite them to lunch, coffee, breakfast, to church, to your small group. Start a new small group with them. And let's help people know the Lord. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Come on, let's stand together. If you're watching online, if, if you would stand with us, we're going to close us out. Happy Mother's Day. We have a gift for you in the lobby. If you're here online, we have a gift for you with your credit card on amazon.com. Go get whatever you want. Praise God. We love you. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word today. Thank you for Acts chapter two and what you have begun in the spirit. Would you continue in this room and in this church? God, would you help us in Jesus' name to receive all that you've done for us? Come on, open your hands to the Lord, everybody. Say, God, I receive 
I receive your salvation. I receive your Holy Spirit. Come on, say it for real. I receive your Holy Spirit. I receive your assignment on my life. Pray this, fill me, Lord. Baptize me, God, in the Holy Spirit. I receive all you have for me, and I want to walk it out in Jesus' name. Say, God, I'm all in. I believe that Jesus died for me so I can live for him for the rest of my life. To God be the glory. Lord, would you empower your people, put names on our hearts, put names on our minds that we cannot go to sleep without praying for them and believing God for their salvation, their transformation. And Lord, would you put the words in our mouth to preach the gospel, to declare the mighty works of God into their lives. God, even if you give us a foreign language, would you do it? And Lord, I pray that all of us would receive all the things that you have for us, including a praying in tongues, God, including a prayer life like that. But Lord, more than anything, we want to be gifted with the Spirit to tell people about Jesus. We love you, Lord. We're for you. We're all in. Now, God, bless us and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, everybody. Ladies, flourish this Friday. Life Point, we love you. Have a great week. Peace out, everybody.